Welcome to Energy Transitions, a podcast brought to you by Endless Europe and Friends. In this series, we will spotlight the people and projects driving change and innovation in Europe's energy sector. You can download this and all other episodes on endlit-europe.com slash podcasts. Now, let's start today's conversation. Hello, and welcome to this podcast brought to you by Endless Europe and Power Engineering International. My name is Pamela Larg your host for today's discussion. Coal makes up 70% of Poland's energy mix, according to the International Energy Agency, and has played a vital role in the country's economy. Today, we will be discussing how Poland in particular and Europe at large are shifting away from fossil fuels, embracing energy transition, and accommodating the sizable requirements set out in the Fit for 55 package. Here to discuss this interesting topic, we have Iana Pandera, President of Forum Energie, and Michal Motelewski, Managing Counsel at Dentons. So let's dive straight into it. Iana, can you tell us more about yourself and Forum Energie and what your experience is in Poland's energy landscape? Hello, first of all, welcome everybody. Uh, so about myself and the institution I run. So I founded uh, Forum Energy a few years ago, and this is basically first energy think tank in Poland, which supports energy transition. We have published over the last years over 40 extensive analyses, working with the best consultants, not only us, not only our team, but also others. And we, uh, we basically support the debate on the energy transition, on how to conduct it in uh, uh, in efficient way, in a just way, and basically that Poland will gain benefits of it. We can say that we are passionate about change. Uh, so, uh, above all, change that will lead to reduction of environmental emission, uh, emissions from the most carbon intensive sectors. We focus on power sector, on heating sector, uh, uh, and on renewables deployment. And very recently, we developed a program with cities uh, to work closer with cities on how they can improve air quality, which is a huge problem in Poland, and also achieve uh, climate neutrality. And about my experiences from past, uh, 10 years ago, I worked as a deputy minister of environment uh, for, for Polish government, and I dealt mainly with climate negotiations, uh, EU and international. And I, I have to say that it really changed my life because um, I was really fascinated how the climate policy changes the energy sector and the reality. And at the same time, uh, it affected me that these changes are not noticed in Poland. Uh, and I saw how much Poland is, was losing, actually, how dominant the coal lobby was. And then I worked for a couple of years uh, for energy company and uh, for, for different think tanks. So uh, this is, you know, about us. So our role is basically to support energy transition in Poland. Fantastic. Iana, it's an absolute pleasure to have you have you with us this morning. Uh, Michal, if you could uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Welcome, everybody. I'm really thrilled to support energy transition as well. So um, Dentons will be recognized by many uh, of you surely um, as currently for the last uh, uh, number of years, the largest law firm driven really by the change in economies and 
to a great extent by the energy transition all across the globe. So we do stand out among other specialities for the energy practice worldwide. And I truly experienced that being with the organization and the legacy law firm that, that uh, joined Dentons since 2006. And ever since I've been working on energy transition, in fact, one of my first projects ever was about Poland joining the EU and Poland dealing with cross-border energy issues immediately after the accession. So I've been there throughout the full path of energy transition of Poland within the European Union from the very first large energy package, uh, which was adopted back in 2003 and introduced into the actual reality of, of the energy world in 2004. And I think that's enough for introduction. We should move on since this is a very fascinating subject and I'm sure all the experience that stands behind me and behind Dentons, I'll be hopefully able to display throughout our conversation. Thank you so much, Michal. It's a pleasure to have you uh, on the panel. And uh, let's dive straight in. It is a fascinating topic and there's a lot to talk about. Europe's energy transition is gathering pace. We know uh, with the European Green Deal and the Fit for 55 package. I think let's start off by finding out, you know, where is Poland in all of this? What is the situation currently? There's been a lot of changes as well within the regulatory landscape. So if we can give our listeners an idea of some of those changes and what's really happening. Perhaps, uh, Iana, should we start with you? I think that Poland is in a very interesting moment when it comes to its energy and climate policy. Basically, we observe redefinition of it. Uh, it's, it's interesting to note that this uh, change is led by the government, which is in fact right wing and uh, has quite conservative agenda when it comes to the overall policy and politics. Of course, it's created a lot of tensions within government and uh, it's not that everything goes smooth, but in fact, it's, it's really th this change which we see in Poland is really caused by many factors. It's basically uh, we run out of coal, uh, even if we had a lot of coal and we are third in the world country most dependent on coal. Coal is just over. A few years ago, we had almost 25% of coal imports, mainly from Russia. And this was really a shock once we noticed it for many politicians and decision makers that the paradigm of coal being cheap, uh, domestic resource is just coming to an end uh, because uh, we use too much coal and the production of coal is just falling. So we are not able to cover our domestic demand uh, with domestic good quality coal. And this was one reason, but of course, other reason is growing awareness of the society and uh, huge challenge with the air quality in winter because we still heat our homes with coal. And actually, 90% uh, of coal which is used to, for heating of uh, houses in Europe is burned in Poland. And this is leading to, wow. to, to huge air pollution in winter because about 3 million of houses are still heated with, with coal in the single furnaces. So uh, this was another reason why uh, the awareness of the society has started to change. And then CO2 prices, of course. I mean, it's uh, so expensive now. And the uh, electricity production from coal is just going really, really expensive. And when we talk about wholesale uh, electricity prices, Poland has the 
the most expensive prices in the region. Maybe not now, because now the situation in Europe is quite changing because of heat waves in the south. But basically, so all the factors as, uh, have started to change Polish debate. And the major challenge which we have now is just how to cover this coal gap, because there is actually consensus that we need to phase out coal. But only talking about electricity sector, we have done recently an analysis which shows that we have now around 29 gigawatt of coal in both hard coal and lignite. And according to our calculations, uh, modeling, which we did uh, in the next nine years, we should phase out uh, 23 gigawatt uh, of coal because it will be highly unprofitable, but also because uh, the power plants are extremely old. More than 70% of power plants are over more than 30 years old. So they are extremely inefficient in terms of economics. and. Uh, polluting and basically it does not make any sense to modernize them anymore. So you see the challenge now um, concluding uh, is that Poland needs to fill this coal gap with clean resources. There is talk about nuclear and gas, of course, uh, as is also a hot topic, uh, also in the content context that Europe is also phasing out uh, gas. So it's a challenge what to do with gas in Poland. Absolutely. Jana, thank you. Yes. So, I mean, it's clear that coal still plays quite a significant role. Michal, in terms of, of the regulatory landscape or, or any changes or, or the current status that you would like to perhaps highlight? Definitely. Well, I would start off saying where we are is with really with a catchword that Poland is at a crossroad in many respects. It's at a crossroad with dependency of on coal, like Jana described. It's at a crossroad with its overall awareness of the economic, environmental and social issues that result from being dependent on a specific fuel that is so climate adverse. Uh, we are at a crossroad also in another respect. We are, in terms of energy policy, in terms of managing the consumption, generation consumption of energy, we are a developing country, I would say, by today's standards. Uh, at the same time, we are very blessed being part of an international club that provides you easy access to best practices and best standards by the measure that we have, of course, today. So there is a lot to choose from a lot to decide and a lot uncertainty in how to best deal with all these challenges. And this is what I see at the level of decision makers. This is what I see at the level of different advisors that try to provide some guidance on economics, on regulation to the government, to private entities. And I see the same, and I think this stands out in the private sector, which says, well, how do I live? How do I operate? How do I prosper eventually? So these are the crossroads that we have in Poland. And in terms of regulation and policies and uh, shaping this overall social and economic landscape that we have, you know, another very interesting example that you can have looking at Poland is that if you don't develop a comprehensive policy 
and you don't make an effort to drive it in all the different interrelated aspects, dealing with existing generation, dealing with new generation, dealing with the offtake of energy, any type of energy, dealing with energy efficiency, dealing with spatial planning, dealing with transport, a big topic that we will surely discuss more today. If you don't take the effort, however hard it is, and make for yourself a comprehensive picture, there will be always a major bottleneck, there will be always a major backlog, there will be something stopping you from delivering even on the best policy that you can imagine. Example, renewables. So where we are with, with renewables, we were developing onshore wind, we were not developing much other technologies, suddenly we had a bottleneck with onshore wind. We started developing PVs at an unprecedented pace from nothing to a major part of the industry within two years. So this is roughly how on a very general level, I would say where we are and what we face. If I may add one element, which is crucial also for the debate in Poland is the basically EU funds, which are available. We are now at the beginning of new multi-annual financial framework, which is EU budget. We have also recovery plans, post-pandemic package uh, available. And this is really huge opportunity because uh, Poland will get around 35 billion euros in the next years to come, only in the donations. There are also loans available. And there are, of course, also national funds, uh, domestic funds available also. Uh, EU ETS, revenues, recycling. Um, so altogether, uh, it's, you know, as Michal said, we are at the crossroads, but also we have resources which can be invested in the really making the leapfrog for the future. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for those insights. I think it's, it's clear, yes, we are at a crossroads. Uh, but we also have quite a lot of pressure, I think, on Europe at large to make change and to start seeing results. So I think my question is, in light of the Fit for 55 package and the, the recently released IPCC report, I mean, what now? We need to, to get action behind these policies. I mean, how can Poland approach this? And I know this is quite a big question. <laughs> so, Michal, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I will continue with uh, saying that a comprehensive picture is what we have really for the first time with the Fit for 55 package. So if you look back at how policy developed over the past, let's say, decade, we first of all had some action with electricity and gas, and that purely with supplying those energy resources to whoever wanted that at whatever time for whatever volume uh, we were expected to have it. Partly, we started looking at the problems of energy security, of security of supply, partly at market integrity, but this was still all high level, upstream in a sense. Then throughout the decade uh, within the EU, everyone realized that we need renewables this uh, awareness started growing that it's not just a fancy idea of the German Energiewender. It's a reality of all economies across the world. So we started to develop clean energy for all. And we know how to do it by now. 
we know how to do it. We know how to build renewable energy sources. We know essentially how to connect them to the grid. We know where there are potentially tensions. But we started to understand, and this is part of the 2019 EU package, that this is energy for all, which means we need to look at who consumes and how consumes energy in different sectors, down to the private consumer, down to a household, down to small business, down to my local uh, cultural center and my local authority. So this is where we get to 2019, to the concept of the energy union and the first concept of a European Green Deal, meaning climate neutrality by 2050. And this is when it dawned on everyone that we, to get there by 2050, we actually need to have some deliverables, something that we can say, are we doing this right? Earlier on, we cannot wait until 2045 and then say, oh, well, we've got five le years left, what to do about it? So effectively, this is where we are now with the Fit for 55 package, because this is just a catchy phrase for saying, we've got a great challenge, we've got to accommodate that challenge, and we got to accommodate the change that comes with it. And by Fit for 55, we mean essentially a policy and goals that we need to deliver on within the EU in just eight years, I would say, nine to eight, uh, eight, eight or nine years by 2030. So what I'm happy about is that this whole policy and this whole package is comprehensive, far more comprehensive than any previous attempt at regulation. It tells you, you know, if, if you simply look at the official public message of Fit for 55, it's about emitting less, absorbing more. It's about every aspect of our lives, as the European institutions tell us and very rightly so. It's about inclusivity. So this is really a challenge of capitalism today, that it's easy to create wealth pockets somewhere, but this will not deliver on the 2050 targets because they are for all. And we need a common effort. We need this inclusivity for those who struggle and uh, measures to aid them in a way that we can actually set an example and deliver on the fifth goal of the European agenda, which is saying, by this, we want to shape global climate action. So for Fit for 55, I'm very happy that it goes beyond purely energy resources and it tackles the overall picture of the industry, economy, transport, and last but not least, social life that will be shaped by the changes that we expect within this decade. Well said. Ione, your thoughts? Uh, once you ask me what is the biggest challenge of the Fit for 55 package, it's certainly the extension of the ETS to non-ETS sector, which means basically carbon pricing in buildings and transport. This will be uh, certainly politically very controversial and a lot needs to be done by the politicians in order to introduce it uh, in, in a way which is fair, which is ac socially acceptable, which is understood by the society. Uh, however, I see that in the Polish context uh, that this is really necessary because we need to really uh, get rid of coal from from the heating sector as i said at the beginning it's really huge challenge and government admits that they want to do something about it 
we have some strict goal, uh, goals for, uh, for coal uh, in the heating sector. So I, I see a lot of synergy, but certainly populists will fight against it. And when you ask me what are the biggest opportunities for Poland, I, I see that electrification of, of heating of transport is a huge uh, opportunity. Also, green gases, uh, not talking only about green hydrogen, but also biomethane, as Poland has a big agricultural potential, and there is a huge potential for biomethane also uh, in the heating sector. And uh, as Michał said, uh, the fast developing prosumer market, which is basically generating our own uh, solar power in, in houses, it's, it's very popular. It's, it's extremely, we have over 20,000 companies now operating in the market, which developed over, over a few years, like two, three years. And the growth yearly uh, deployment is about 200%. So it's really huge interest coming from houses, but of course, integration of this fast developing renewables is, is the key challenge. So I think that also all flexible technologies, all uh, efforts in the direction on, on how to integrate renewables in the grid, uh, also how to um, uh, give the impetus to the digitalization of the power sector, because uh, I see that with the digitalization with basically uh, automatization of the energy sector you can do a lot uh, and you can increase security of supply uh, and uh, also in terms of grids uh, a lot needs to be done so these are all challenges which are ahead of us uh, and with the fit for 55 i see the carbon pricing as a, as a major challenge and one sentence that i think that also redistribution, uh, fair redistribution of cost of the energy transition among the society is a huge challenge because we don't want to make energy transition, you know, we don't want to blame energy transition for increasing energy poverty. And this is actually about new model of society on how how we share the cost with increasing inequalities uh, and, and the level of income, uh, what we do with uh, you know, how we distribute the costs. So uh, this is a huge challenge, uh, as well as the entire financial system on how to basically change uh, the financial institutions, which we already have in Poland. So they will be able to come to really a, a household and to advise also, uh, you know, single family, how they should, what do they should do in order to lower the emission, but also lower the cost of energy. And we need good projects, good, smart projects, which will deliver uh, results for the next years to come. And not only we will, you know, absorb funds, uh, but we will really make a change for longer. Michal, would you like to, to add anything to what Jana's just said? Yes, Jana, interesting that you mentioned the financial institutions. Because what I wanted to say earlier is that uh, the way I've seen awareness growing about this energy transition was mostly and first and foremost among uh, asset managers. Uh, and this is definitely where business is always very conscious about uh, planning and future. So the asset managers have embraced the challenge and the problems of energy transition pretty early. But Jana is very correct. What I see and also in a way um, endorse is that uh, financial institutions and specifically financial institutions in Poland have already started developing competence centers 
within their structures that are able to assess and deal with energy transition and effectively shape the financial policy of their institutions in a way that uh, makes it possible to finance, refinance and essentially support the energy transition at different levels. So not only major global investors that come with a specific pattern of risk assessment and are able to very, very professionally deal with the financial institution, but also smaller, smaller players. Like I said, I will repeat, this energy transition is about transition for all and every aspect of our lives. So effectively, what we see is not only greater diversity of energy sources, but also this greater diversity of market participants, of this transition participants, because it's easy to identify business, it's easy to identify those who may suffer energy poverty, easy in the sense that uh, we can name them quickly. It's not necessarily that we can uh, so well uh, decide what to do then and where, how to reach them, but still we have them in the picture. But in the middle, you will have all those different players at different levels of the system, like, for example, municipalities, local governments. So essentially this part of our social life, which both decides how we plan our lives, build our buildings for housing, for business, um, how we use local resources, and they will also use those local resources to deliver on their duties. So uh, what comes to my, my mind is immediately that we need to have financial institutions prepared. We need to have asset managers prepared on the part of business and on the part of all other institutions, also public. And we need to have a clear interface among those players. So definitely those areas this is something where we see progress in Poland. We mentioned already part of that. Uh, for the public sector, I will say that we see a lot of effort in the public-private partnership type of deals. So there is a lot of investigating how we can use this structure for different energy transition projects. Michal, thank you for that. It's clear that there is a great deal of deep institutional change that is required uh, across all sectors, uh, and not just in Poland. But if I can just focus in on the just or fair transition, I think that that is one of the most important aspects. And I, I say that uh, there are many important aspects. But if we can maybe just spend a moment or two on, on how do we achieve that? How do we actually attack this energy transition while not driving energy poverty, especially in a country like Poland, where coal, for example, and fossil fuel has played such a vital role for a long period of time in the economy. Iana, your thoughts on this? It's indeed extremely important question, not only uh, in terms of energy poverty, which I already mentioned, but also in terms of regions, which are now, uh, you know, basically relying on coal in terms of coal production and Poland by the way has many bad experiences from transformations of the early 90s uh, so many uh, workplaces and plants has just collapsed from one day to another and uh, regions and people were left really 
themselves. So there are regions which need to recover for many years. And this is something where I think still is a trauma in many people's minds. And uh, what we see now is the discussion of the EU Just Transition Fund. Uh, we are advisor of the process. So uh, we've been involved for the last months in talking with regions in helping them to prepare a plan on what they want to do with the basically also revitalization, but also which kinds of new jobs they would like to attract to the region. Uh, and this is very constructive pro uh, process. And by the way, we've been even surprised how much uh, uh, it supported the discussion about, in example, phasing out uh, lignite in Belhatov. Belhatov is basically the biggest uh, lignite power plant uh, in Europe. So. Uh, and very recently, Bahatov have planned that they will, you know, dig uh, out coal for the next 15 years or 20 years even. And now they say that they may end up in 2032, which in fact, I think is really possible. And but but still, actually, this region really, uh, Bahatov is the biggest employer for the region. And once it will be closed down, uh, then this, the question is what will happen with the region? In Silesia, where we have hard coal, there, there is actually unemployment rate is now the lowest uh, in Poland. It's highly industrialized uh, region. So I, I think still once it is a challenge because 80 or, or maybe 50,000 people are working in the region, in the coal industry, I still think that the region has better chances to tackle it. So what I think will help the discussion is, uh, is the openness from the decision makers, is, is the clear path. It's like, you know, a process which has, uh, you know, some clear step in the next 10, 15 years to come. And basically new projects uh, which are uh, relevant, new, new identity for the region, uh, what can be really uh, where, where the jobs uh, jobs can be found and what can uh, you know happen positively in the region but um, i see that uh, as said also earlier that the challenges that still good projects are really missing and to that we need uh, this is why we need really international partners also in poland and also new technologies because we need really good ideas on what to do with it uh, which is unavoidable. Uh, so the bad examples of transformation of early 90s uh, will not uh, repeat again. Yeah, I would I would add that, you know, Belhatov is a very good example because we already have an open pit of the Dignite mine. And what we cannot do with the energy transition is to leave a void in its place, a symbolic void. So, um, this is where uh, I va highly value different initiatives within the EU that, for example, promote this innovative approach, like the Inno Energy Agency, I would like to call it, which cooperates with the European Technical University and supports technical solutions of different type that can be promoted cross-border, finding concepts that are developed in one country and looking in another one for a good place to roll them out, to test them, to roll them out and make sure that this is something that drives this innovation and drives this change that we need for uh, coal intense regions, for example. So th there is a lot where we can source um, examples from. I side with Joanna that we definitely encourage international cooperation and we encourage our clients 
to look for solutions and to bring to the table solutions that can support the just transition, that can benefit at the same time for the funds available to make sure that the risk associated with uh, entering a new country or entering a, a type of region like uh, in Bohatov will be acceptable or low enough so that everyone can make the final investment decision and actually deliver on that. Another thing that I would mention in this context is that I think we are still at a very good moment to take advantage of the local resources that we have in the coal intense regions. We still have a lot of skilled work for us. We are not on the edge yet. So it's not like this business will collapse from one day to the other, like we had in the 90s in many cases. So there is a good solid base to which you can bring an industrial idea, you can bring an investment, you can develop it with the support of the local authorities, which are much interested in having some, some future to look uh, forward to. You have this skilled workforce and you have definitely the local infrastructure, which makes it easier to locate something in such regions. From that perspective, I think it's vital to recognize not only the opportunity of the place, but also the opportunity of the time at which we are right now. Thank you, Michal. Jona, I'm not sure if you wanted to add anything to, to what Michal's just said. One thing which comes to my mind is uh, that, that actually the awareness is growing in Poland that the Stone Age did not come to an end uh, because there was uh, a lack of stone. And, and this is actually the motto which is now very vital in Poland, I think. And this is, I think, what, what should be our motto. <laughs> I love that. I think we should keep that. Uh, the Stone Age did not come to an end because of a lack of stone. Absolutely brilliant. I do want to talk about Poland as an example to the rest of the world. And this is something we spoke about briefly, you know, in preparation for this discussion. The whole world is facing energy transition and a kind of reset as we prepare for climate action as well. Michal, do you believe that Poland, the process that the country is going through, and Europe at large can set an example for the rest of the world to follow, perhaps? And in what way do you believe? Definitely, I do. Um, we come back to the crossroads. So we do have many of the same challenges that a lot of places around the world will face or face already. Uh, we have the same uncertainty whether uh, the scale of our actions, this change in different regions, this change in attitudes of individual peoples, you know, will we be able to find the right balance for that? So Poland is a very good testing ground because you've got this place where you have, you have similar problems that the rest of the world. You have perhaps easier access to financing. You have easier access to different standards. This is driven by European regulation. You have greater, I think, cer certainty of investment because of those factors. So you can effectively test a lot here and see how it develops, how it delivers, and take example on that. To be more specific, with the rollout of renewable energy sources and the mix of renewable energy sources that we have, we put a great strain on the networks. Um, and again, we are blessed 
because we have the tools and we have the resources to investigate that. And the European distribution network operators already conducted an analysis of the investment needed by 2030, showing great numbers, great figures to develop and uh, strengthen networks to accommodate this energy transition challenge that we have. But this is not about just about big numbers, because the biggest lesson from that exercise was that it's not about building more cable. It's not about building more transformer, not just. It's much more about, again, developing a comprehensive picture showing how we can process data about the networks and the connected off-takers, the connected resources, how we can best use that data for more efficient use of the networks. Where can we develop new or implement new technical solutions from storage to different automation, which will simply say, okay, we can optimize in a completely new and different level. And it's easier to see in electricity networks where we have the majority of renewable energy sources. But in a country like Poland, where a lot of heating is required for the functioning, both of individuals and of businesses, uh, we see that this concept already is being developed among heating networks. So completely new approach to generating heat, to generating cold, to using waste heat, for example, from various industrial processes that until now were simply serviced by cooling devices. So very different approach, often very minute when compared, for example, to a district heating network in a, a city of 500,000 people. You may find that you have very local, uh, small local initiatives, but if you add them up, you get an effect of scale that serves a large industrial area. You have the effect of scale that serves a large city um, and you can profit from that. So I think this open-minded approach that Jana mentioned before of the local business, of the local authorities, of the local community, this is something that certainly should be promoted in different parts of the world and specific solutions, how to make life better, because this is all about making our life better can be sourced from Poland. Thank you so much, Michal. Indeed, it is about scalability and, uh, you know, encouraging that openness. Iana, what are your thoughts? Oh, I just recently heard from our American partner uh, that once Poland will manage uh, energy transition, everybody will manage it. And it was really something which I think is, is extremely important because uh, as I said at the beginning, Poland is the third country in the world most dependent on coal. And it is not the richest country in the world, however, also not the poorest, as Michał said. So we have actually funds available, we have intellectual capacity available, but we are not very wealthy as, in example, Germans or France or other UK. So uh, I think that for the just transition and also for other countries maybe developing, you know, Poland moving away from coal and the technical solutions on how to integrate renewables, how to lower the emission and uh, emissions and how to do it in the just way is, is something which uh, can be really important, not only for, e for the EU, however, 
It's also important uh, for the European Union because of many tensions which we see, but also for other countries. And as we operate as Forum Energy also internationally, so I have the chance to speak very frequently to other partners in Brazil, in uh, South Africa, China, Japan, uh, US, uh, I see it is something which is really noticed. I mean, the, 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 everything what happens now in Poland when it comes to, to coal and 100% uh, attachment of, uh, to coal, that coal is, you know, our treasure, which was actually when I was a child, uh, I was told that, you know, miners is the most important profession to, to really now being um, a center for energy transition to, to some extent, because I still think that our government cannot tell, is not able to tell, tell this story to the world. And this is really critical because still, uh, despite what happens in Poland, in the world, we send the signal that coal is important and so on, which is not truth, actually. It does not reflect really the level of the debate which we have in the country. Utilities uh, are moving away from coal. Uh, there is now the, the project in the making of uh, divesting coal assets from state-owned utilities, uh, which means that what we only need now is basically a set to decide on coal phase-out path, but also which capacities can really effectively replace the system and not necessarily to uh, to be too much dependent on, in example, gas supplies, because we have some uh, domestic gas, but not as much to cover own demand. So certainly some gas uh, in the Polish power system and heating system is still needed, but not too much in order not to, you know, get dependent on, on Russia again, in example. So this is, I think, uh, the the story which we need to tell to the world, and uh, and certainly we try to do this as Forum Energy. Moving slowly towards a wrap up is, you know, these are not really our high hopes, and um, I will close off with uh, with an example from the Polish banking sector, because we had to develop it really mostly from the scratch in the 90s. The effect being that we developed services in the banking sector already based on information technology, very modern digital solutions, very strong internet banking from the very beginning. And when I traveled to the United States in the past, I was surprised how often I have to sign something when using my credit card rather than being contactless or simply swiping it, because this was so much more developed already in Poland. And a very recent uh, ranking of banks, even within the EU, showed that Polish financial institutions, in terms of offering digital banking solutions, were far more advanced than even their own organizations within the EU. So the shareholding bank was more backwards in a sense with digital solutions than the bank in Poland. And this shows that really we are at a place, this is again, this opportunity of time that I mentioned. We are at the place where we can leapfrog this energy transition. And this is the biggest opportunity in Poland. And this is also a lesson for anyone who looks into its own challenges and says, what can I do about it? Can I manage 
to address that challenge. And we will say from Poland, yes, you can, and you should leapfrog to the most advanced and modern solution that will make your life easier and happier. What an interesting thought, Michal. Thank you for that. And I think indeed every country is starting from a different place, but every country does have something to offer and does have positives and advantages uh, to, to bring to this transition and should indeed focus on that. And I really enjoyed your positive take. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. And even though we have scratched merely the surface of this in-depth topic, I am going to ask for any closing thoughts. Uh, Iana, it's, it's quite difficult to, to summarize. <laughs> I think there's so much to say, but do you have any closing remarks before we finish off? Yes, thank you. So indeed, I, I, I have the feeling that I said uh, a lot already, but uh, of course you can really, I, I think that times are generally difficult. Uh, we, we see the, the crisis in Afghanistan, we see political crises, uh, and we see a lot of bad things uh, which, which are happening. But uh, for me, uh, working on, on the energy transition, it's really important uh, to focus on what can be done, you know, how we can achieve really the change and not uh, being distracted by all those bad things which are happening all around. And only, again, I could repeat that, uh, you know, Stone Age did not come to an end because there was lack of stone. And this is uh, sometimes my motto, which I have talking also with very conservative uh, players in Poland, uh, which I think is just uh, relevant. So uh, let's be open for a change. Uh, uh, change is, uh, is in many cases, is most of the cases which we know, change is really positive. So even if we are afraid of the change, that the final outcome is uh, quite positive. Uh, so this is what I believe energy transition is and achieving climate neutrality, that this is new reintegration process of the uh, for the EU. Uh, this is new uh, economy model, not talking about environment and leaving the planet uh, in a good shape for our children, which is the key challenge when we see how much we use uh, the resources. and. That's, that's it from my side. And I, I would like to also invite other listeners to Poland because it's an interesting country. Absolutely. Thank you for your positive remarks. Iana, Michal, any closing remarks that you'd like to add? Very shortly. I would summarize you know, what strikes me from our discussion today is really that all we say is have the courage to think differently about the things that you do and make the most out of this opportunity that we have now in the EU, that we have for the first time a big social and economic program to make things differently. And let's just do it. Let's just do it differently and make the most out of that opportunity. Michal, thank you. I think that's what more can you add? Let's just do it. And I think the time for action has indeed come. Unfortunately, our time to end the program has also come, but I would like to thank you, Jana Michal, for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and get your insights. Thank you very much for the conversation. Thank you, Pamela. Thank, thank you thank very you. much. I really thank enjoyed you. this conversation. And I'd like to thank our listeners as well for joining us today. Uh, until next time, please do take care and stay safe. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to Energy Transitions, a podcast brought to you by Enlet Europe and friends. You can listen again and hear all other episodes on enlet-europe.com slash podcasts. And don't forget to catch up on our other great digital content on our 365 platform, enlet-europe.com. Thank you.